1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCA 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and
2: 1050
0: AM Palm Springs.
3: We have someone sitting with us today, a well-known person for his books, uh, Being in Politics, Republican Party. Um, We're going to talk about uh, one of his books and the person he co-wrote with. And uh, the book was The Clintons' War on Woman. And I said that great. And it's Robert Morrow, who worked with Roger Stone. And, of course, he's been on the show several times. So hello, Robert.
2: Welcome. Hey, how's it going, Al?
3: Well, it's going. It's going, you know. Um, I'm starting to feel left out because no one's sending me any mean mail this week.
4: What?
3: um, You know, I've even, you know, dick pics or anything, you know. It's just, (laughs) I'll tell
4: you. Well, that's not necessarily true. We have gotten an entire novel about the Luca case. Oh, yeah. That guy, he's a nut.
3: He's a nut. Come on. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but come on. We can only Uh, take uh, so much of that. And i want to bring I want to bring him on the show, well, you do that when I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> you take care of that guy He's a psycho psycho man um, I'm handing him to you. you're in charge so uh Robert Roger Stone um, how did you two meet?
2: Well, we met over Twitter in the year two thousand and thirteen um, i I'm and, and an expert on the JFK assassination, and I saw that Roger Stone was going to be writing a book that was going to indict Lyndon Johnson for the JFK assassination, which happens to be my bailiwick, and uh, Stone is correct in that, as a matter of fact. So I started, so I basically just um, uh, started emailing him JFK research that I had, you know, very high-quality stuff that he could use in his book, and he liked it. And um, so um, he gave me a call one day, and we're talking this is the summer of 2013. And I eventually ended up flying down to Miami to meet him. I was going down there uh, with another friend to interview some Andy Castro Cubans. Um, And so we met in the summer of 2013 over his um, book, uh, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ, which I do highly recommend.
3: Now, yeah, we had him on for that um, book as well as um, some of his other books. But I was just wondering, um, now, did, were you aware who Roger Stone was when you were flying down to meet him? Did you have a, an idea who his history?
2: Well, yes, a, a, a Cliff Notes version of his history. I mean, I just knew that he was a longtime uh, GOP political operative and was – uh, something of a libertarian trender. Um, that's really all that I knew. I didn't know how how close he was to Donald Trump for forty years.
4: Now, when you say you met over Twitter, I mean, did you know? It, it's very rare that somebody of his stature will actually in, engage. Um, how? What was unique about you? What was your approach to him that, that actually spawned a relationship?
2: Well, I mean, I just told you um, I was I was emailing him. I got his email address and emailed him JFK Research because I'm an expert on that. And he saw how useful it could be to his book. I mean, I just gave him a sampler of it. And when he when he found out that I knew what I was talking about, or rather knew a lot more than he did, uh, he got in contact with me because he was he was writing a book that summer. Remember, remember the, 2013 was the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination. And a lot of books were coming out that year. And as a matter of fact, Roger Stone's book was probably the book of the year that came out that year. The only, the only one that sold more would be Bill O'Reilly's Lone Nutter book called Killing Kennedy. But among the books that have like credibility, Roger Stone's book was the number one seller that year.
3: Right. Yeah. I, I, so now when you met him, how, what did you think? Was it kind of what you expected or was it more...
2: Um, well, I mean, we met at a Cuban restaurant um in South Beach, and um we had a nice conversation. you know Stone is um entertaining, charming, and as I found out later, psychopathic and a pathological wire on top of all that
4: yeah. <laughs> oh wow, what <laughs> To both well, absolutely.
2: Well, he is. Roger, Roger Stone is a pathological liar. He lies constantly, and he has for decades. I mean, when he was promoting one of his last books, he said he had he, gotten poisoned by polonium. Just completely made that up. Okay, and so I've caught him in other statements. He just just, just completely makes up. But at the time, I didn't know just how bad of a psychopath and pathological liar the man was, I just figured he was a Republican, local operative, colorful, you know, uh, like I said, he is a charming psychopath, and uh, we had a lot of things in common. We hate the Clintons, we hate the Bushes, we hate Lyndon Johnson, um, I'm not a fan of Richard Nixon, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, but we had a lot of commonalities on the people in politics who we hate, and we have our reasons for hating them. Right. Right.
3: but um, Now, Roger Stone, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like a, a liar is kind of, a, yeah, he, he's constantly, I mean, he was involved in dirty tricks, right? So that's he started being that way. That was how he operated.
2: Well, if you read his biography, not that he has written one, but one of the first things he did, he was in first grade, and he was campaigning for John Kennedy for president, and he told all the other kids that Richard Nixon was going to make them go to school on Saturday. And they ended up voting for John Kennedy. And he saw how effective a big lie was at the age of six. And he pretty much has continued his career in that exact same vein for 60-plus years following that. Um, you know, um, I mean, I could give you many other examples. Like, you know, I don't want to go into details, but yes, he, he lies constantly. yeah, Which is sad, because he's, because when he's telling the truth... About someone or something, like the Clintons or Lyndon Johnson or the Bush family. In many cases, he's telling the truth, but he'll lie for himself and he'll lie for Trump.
3: But doesn't that—that—that's that, sort of the problem? But when you have someone uh, that you know lies a lot, and then they come up with something for peep other people, like the Clintons or or Johnson, then how do you know you can believe them?
2: Well, that's that's the whole point. You know, you discredit yourself when you're known nationwide and worldwide as a pathological liar. So, you know, the Robert Mueller is going to bust him on lying to Congress. And he's got, you know, the text messages and emails that are going to prove that Roger Stone lied to Congress. And Stone will be an easy conviction, and he'll go to jail. The reason he's prancing around so cocky right now is that he feels for sure that Donald Trump is going to pardon him come November or December of 2020.
4: Yeah, but that still doesn't erase a conviction. Okay, you're, yeah, you're pardoned, but now forever, forever you're carrying this stain.
2: Well, that's that's who Roger Stone is, and, and I'm not defending that. I'm pointing it out that um, factually speaking, the Clintons are criminals. Factually speaking, Lyndon Johnson, the CIA murdered John Kennedy. He's right on that. But factually speaking, Roger Stone is a long-time, enthusiastic, pathological liar, and that's going to cloud everything he does and says on every topic.
4: God, that's just sad. Yeah.
3: yeah. So wh- and so you actually think he's going to go, go to jail over this, or you think – so Trump
2: wh- – It's a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't – followed it that closely, but i followed it close enough, you know, he's being charged with uh, perjury, uh, obstruction of justice, and witness tampering. I think those are all, like, no-brainer convictions, especially in front of a Washington, D.C. jury. Yeah. Roger Stone is a one-man crime wave. He needs to be taken off the streets, convicted, tried, convicted, and thrown in jail. And that's going to happen. But, like I keep saying, the reason Roger Stone is walking, prancing around so cocky-like is that he feels like he has a Trump pardon in the bag, and it's not going to matter. He might go to jail for a couple of months, but no more than half a year. So he's trying to delay his trial as long as until, until he gets the, the, the Trump pardon he has in his head.
4: Yes, the yeah. witness tampering, uh, I've been hearing a lot about that. Can you explain that? Because uh, I must have missed something.
2: Well... You know, he's, he's being charged with threatening to take away the service dog of Randy Credico, okay, and telling him he's going to do that, and telling them that he, he needs to lie to Congress or pretend like he's in the mafia, and to kill himself in jail like a character from The Godfather. Um, the Mueller people have all the text messages and emails of Stone saying that. That's witness-tempering. Um, I really, you know, when I started reading about how Roger Stone has treated Randy Credico for so long, um, it just, you know, my opinion of Stone just dropped to a new level. He'll, he's, he's, he's like Trump. He's a bully. He's like the Clintons. He's a bully. If he finds somebody's weak and he can get away with something, he'll keep getting away with it. Like, when Roger Stone, you know, called and threatened, the father of um, Elliot Spitzer and left a a nasty voicemail, he said it was Randy Credico doing that, because Randy Credico does voice impersonations. And that was a complete lie. So, you know, have you guys been reading up much on this?
3: Yeah, uh, on and off. Do you know the... um, It's
4: hard. It's hard
3: to keep Joan Mellon, too, right, when um, she told me that... uh, Roger Stone had also threatened her and said that if she showed up to the um, JFK convention, she might end up hurt.
2: And too bad for Roger Stone because she reported that to the FBI. Yeah. And you know, that's when Roger was doing that, you know, I was just disgusted that he was doing that. He can't just Go to a conference in New Orleans and present his material and let Joan Mellon present her material, he has to go into the ballpark of terroristic threats against a credible JFK researcher. Not that I agree with everything with Joan Mellon, but she is definitely a credible JFK researcher. And she at least, whether she's right or wrong, she at least tries to find the truth and tell the truth. I can't say that about Roger Stone. And so, because Roger does not like her book or her writings on Mac Wallace, one of LBJ's cronies. Right. Um, he was threatening her. You know, and he was also lying about her, saying she was a paid stooge of the Johnson family, or being, a, or a paid stooge of Ben Barnes. You know, she's not. Yeah. He, he will lie at the drop of a hat.
3: Well, I, I, isn't it sort of the way it is? And right now, with the uh, conspiracies and stuff, it's easy to just throw up, uh, take someone like that, and say. She's a paid person, you know, like you're you're part of the government, the deep state. Uh, just Well,
2: that. Uh, Roger doesn't care about the truth, so he just makes it up and says it without any type of evidence at all that that is the case. That's what a pathological liar will do. He's lied about me, too. When I was elected the chairman of the Travis Kennedy Republican Party, the night of that he put out, well, it looks out like the Rogers, the, the 20,000 robo phone calls that I put out for, for Donald Trump and Robert Morrow in Travis County worked. He was trying to take credit for that. He put out no robo phone calls. He's just a pathological When I first met Roger, he told me his top two issues were abortion rights and gay marriage. At that uh-huh. point, I knew he didn't have any money. Okay? I
4: haven't, I haven't heard him speak yet on either one.
2: Um. Well, what does that mean?
4: Yeah. Uh, well, no. I mean, I mean, I, I, an obvious lie.
2: He's a pathological liar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You, you also haven't heard him. You know, call Jews Christ killers on national TV, which he does around me. You also haven't heard him quote Louis Farrakhan uh, uh, on Judaism, calling it a gutter religion that he emails me. So. You know, Roger Stone does a lot of things. The true Roger Stone is is hidden behind a public mask. You know, um, so yeah. So he's a he's a cultural liberal, and uh, but mainly he. When I met him, he was searching for relevancy. Life had passed him by. He was no longer an insider. He's no longer a player. No longer getting the attention that he wanted. I think he had some sort of a huge IRS debt. I don't think he owns anything. I think he rents in New York and rents in Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. Um, He probably even leases his cars, as far as I know. I don't think he hardly has any money. The first check that he sent me for the Clintons War on Women, $17,000, bounced. Bounced. (laughs) did not clear. I had to call them and say, look, your stupid check. Bounce. Can you write me one that actually can clear? And they did. And then they gave me a $3,000 check later for a total of $20,000, and he gave me no transparency on the revenues or expenses of the Clinton's War on Women, which my contract entitles me to. Um, So who knows? I mean, the question is, was Roger Stone stealing from me? Based on his character and pathological lying, I would not be surprised at that. I would not be surprised that if he, I would not be surprised if he stole twenty k from me.
3: Yeah, what's his passion for Donald Trump? If he's such a liberal in in civil things? No, no,
2: no, 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 no. You're You're missing up what's important to Roger. What's important to Roger is not liberal, conservative, or libertarian. It's getting a bunch of attention. Being the fanboy of the president, acting important, thinking is important, thinking other people think he's important, it's not the issues, okay? okay. It's not Donald Trump is against abortion rights, or from like this. no, it's Donald Trump is the president. I get to be important, I get to be interviewed, I get to sell books, I get to give speeches, I get to have the media follow me, I get to put up my, my hands in a Richard Nixon peace sign when I'm arrested on national TV. That's what's important to Roger Stone. He's an attention whore to the tenth degree.
3: Now, um, <laughs> the, the the rumor has it that he used to hire, uh, he used to be a swinger and and hire a black men to come have sex with Nadia, as wife.
2: I haven't heard of that rumor. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. but, I heard... but I mean, but can't you just Google Roger Stone swinger and see the national? Inquire article on him in the 1990s, exposing him putting up ads for swingers. I didn't hear anything about black women. They wanted to have men. He, wants, he likes to have men. Uh, he likes to have his wife have sex with men in front of him. So he's the original cuck. C-U-C-K. Cuck. Cuckled. He likes it. Wow. That's well, a matter of fact. It. But I, 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 I didn't get the part about. I, I didn't get the part about black men, though. I'm sure he'd be down with that. He's he. Roger says he's a trisexual. He'll try anything, which makes me wonder. You know, is is he bisexual? He's a trisexual. You know, so who knows? S-
3: strange character.
2: Um, I, I do know that he told me that he used to have sex with Ann Coulter, though. That she Coulter. was skinny. Yeah. Wow. Uh. <laughs> now, well, yeah, a... I mean, you act surprised at all this. Do you, 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 you Google Roger Stone at all? It's all oh, out yeah, there. Yeah, but, you yeah, know, I, I, Google I Roger Stone, think... Stone sex freak, uh, Roger Stone yeah. trisexual, Roger Stone oh, yeah. swinger, yeah. Roger Stone sex. He used to tell me, uh, yeah, Robert, I was up late last night. You know, I was, I was in the, the sex club, you know, uh, eating out women. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen lots of stuff. Yeah, you that
2: kind of surprised at all this. Well, that's I'm surprised wife.
3: that, um, you know, I take everything with a grain of salt because there's so much talk and there's so much stuff on the Internet. So I, I can find pages True. of stuff on, True. Here, on the Internet. And yeah, yeah,
2: but I know Roger Stone personally. So yeah, all that sex stuff on the Internet is confirmed by my personal conversation with him. So he used to have an affair with Ann Coulter. He said he quit seeing her because she was skinny. She said he, he liked having sex with... Um, Maureen Dowd, back in the day, said she had big boobs. Um, You know, he used to go to gay pride marches with his New York City mistress. You can Google that. That's one of his girlfriends. He has a kid with the former madam of New York City. I think her name is... Right. Kristen Davis or Kirsten Davis?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was managing him for a while too. That's who we'd go through. Um, I, I, I just—it's—it's uh, it's just crazy that um, he's been able to be somewhat in the eye, but not for these reasons.
2: Well. In the 2016 campaign, here's to the signature to Roger Stone. He lost out on a power struggle inside of the Trump campaign. He lost to Corey Lewandowski, who he hates, and who hates him back. Okay. Yeah. And so um, he, when Trump started winning the primaries, Stone was no longer a part of the Trump campaign, but he, we kind of like, was a Trump supporter. And trying to act important and trying to help out Donald Trump, he was a wannabe, a hanger-on, trying to prove Donald Trump he was doing great things for him in the campaign. And so, I guess you could say he was de facto a part of the campaign, even though he really wasn't in the campaign. He was on the outside of the campaign, but trying to act like he was on the inside. And so, you know, he wanted all the power and glory that would come to him if Donald Trump ever got elected president. I mean, in the delirium of Roger Stone's mind, he probably thought he was going to be a well-connected D.C. lobbyist and he'd be making, you know, millions or tens of millions of dollars a year after Trump got elected. Instead, he's virtually broke, he's indicted, and he's going to jail. So it didn't didn't really work out for him, and he likes to think he's so smart. Well. Let's see who's smart now, who's in jail and who's not.
4: So these emails and these texts that you say that you have, uh, do you plan on publishing them in the future?
2: I don't know. I don't have a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot of the, the incendiary stuff he would just tell me in person or tell me on the phone about like having sex with Ann Coulter. He didn't exactly put that in the email. But he did put in an email quoting Louis Farrakhan, talking about the Jews, saying it was a gutter religion. Mm-hmm. He, did, he did call him Christ-killed. Roger Stone is a raving anti-Semite. Wow. He believes in the Jewish conspiracy against the white man, and he told me that his friend Chris Ruddy also believes that. Chris Ruddy, who's a big, a big friend of the Clintons and Donald Trump both.
3: Now you you associate um, Donald Trump and the Clintons and really kind of the Bushes um, all in one sort of group, and um, they appear quite different at times. But so, what is it that you dislike about them all that they have in common? What is the element that you're um, speaking out against?
2: They're criminals, right? It has nothing to do with their political allegiancies or who no. what part of their in. They're just flat-out criminals. I mean, read Roger Stone's book, The Man Who Killed Kennedy Case Against LBJ. That's a good book, by the way. That's yeah. one of the better books on the JFK assassination. The reason why? Because I helped him with it. I was Roger Stone's Sherpa through the JFK Research Committee, and LBJ did it. And, and the reason his book's important is because Richard Nixon was telling that to Stone, too. And Barry Goldwater knew it as well, as did... You know, Kennedy Insiders, Evelyn Lincoln being one, as did Johnson Insiders, Evelyn Lincoln, Barr McClellan, Dois Celestis. So you yes, asked about what they have in common, they're criminals. Read my book, The Clintons Warren Women. That that details much criminality of the Clintons and, and the Bush crime family. George W. Walker I, Bush, yeah. big time criminal.
3: Well, I sort I'm sort of thinking that but with Trump and uh, Clinton, you're sort of putting toward the sexual abuse of young women.
2: Trump and Clinton? Uh, um, Bill Clinton's a serial rapist. He was raping adult women, okay? You ever heard of Juanita Broderick? Ever heard of Eileen Wellstone? Ever heard of Liz Ward Grayson? You got to do yourself a favor and buy my book, The Clinton's Worn Women. It's not just young women. And, he'd be, of course, he'd be partying with high school girls and taking drugs, with his brother, Roger Clinton, when he was in his 30s, and these were high school girls. And one thing that Bill Clinton and Donald Trump have in common is they're both extremely close to a mega-billionaire pedophile named Jeffrey Epstein.
4: Yes, I'm waiting on that.
2: Anybody close to Jeffrey Epstein knew he was having sex with underage girls, meaning under the age of consent in the states they were in, New York, Florida, New Mexico, wherever underage girls, underage in his island, Little Virgin Island, at the Virgin Islands. So, you know, Donald Trump's name is circled by the brother of Jeffrey Epstein as one of the pedophiles. The brother was Alfredo Rodriguez. After Epstein got arrested, he went through his book of contacts and circled everybody that was either a pedophile or knew about the pedophilia. Donald Trump's name is circled. Bill Clinton's name is not circled. But, Clinton flew 25 times on Jeffrey Epstein's airplane. They would nickname it the Lolita Express. The neighbors in Little Virgin Islands would, would nickname his airplane the Lolita Express. You know, the-
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
4: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: The movie, the book. Yeah. So um, Clinton had to have known that Jeffrey Epstein was sexually abusing underage girls. There's no way you could hang out with Jeffrey Epstein and not know that. It doesn't mean Clinton was being pandered to young girls, but he knew that. He may have been pandered teenage girls for all we know, or, or college age girls.
4: You know, here's what I want to know about the Lolita Express and Epstein's Island. How in the hell have they gotten away with this for so long? I mean, it, it's it's talked about casually. I mean, it's now a you know it's a household word. You know, Epstein's Island and and Lolita Express. I, I mean, I don't care who has flown back and forth why haven't they been arrested and why hasn't this been stopped it's still going on today
2: well no See, Jeffrey Epstein has already gone to jail 10 years ago he went to jail for one count of soliciting prostitution not for pedophilia or child abuse and he he would serve his sentence at nighttime only he would work in the day at his mansion or his offices and then go to sleep in the jail in his own private unit in, in, in Palm Beach.
4: Oh, the suffering. So,
2: you know, there's it's a thing called double jeopardy. He can't be tried again for the same crime. Now, I guess they could get him for other crimes. But um, the reason you know so much about him is because it was such a clear case of a guy who had so many underage girls and yet got off with like a slap on the wrist. I mean... One year, thirteen months sleeping at night in jail. Usually, you get a twenty-five year sentence, no parole, for that kind of abuse. Twenty-five years, no parole. So, in a few years ago, in two thousand fourteen, the Epstein case was coming up again. I was I was with Roger Stone. I was educating Roger Stone on the Jeffrey Epstein case, and then I said, Roger, um, the. Butler circled all the names of the pedophiles in the Book of Contacts, and Donald Trump's name is circled. We have to put that in our book or we're not going to have credibility. you know. And he says, well, I'll talk to Trump about this. And then he talked to Trump, and it's in our book. And Trump says, well, I went over to Jeffrey Epstein's house in Palm Beach one time, and I saw these little young girls around the swimming pool, and I thought, hey, it's really nice Jeffrey Epstein's letting the neighborhood girls swim in here. And he's a very, very nice guy. And... Um, So, Donald Trump's people later denied he'd ever been to Jeffrey's Palm Beach home. So, he's lying. He's telling Stone, I went there. He's telling other people, I've never been there. Because Donald Trump's a pathological liar, too. Donald Trump was in the pedophilia deep. When I say pedophilia, I mean, Donald Trump raped a 13-year-old girl in New York City in 1994. And he was a germaphobe. And without being too graphic here, he would have these... Little 12-year-old, 13-year-old girls wearing surgical gloves while they gave him hand jobs.
4: Now, what proof do we have of this?
2: Well, the proof is the lawsuit of Jane Doe against Donald Trump. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Okay. Her name was Katie Johnson. That's not her real name either. Okay. She had a series of lawsuits against Donald Trump when he was running for president in 2016. And her lawyer, when she finally got a good lawyer, it was Tom Marr uh, of New Jersey, a patent attorney, who happens to be a fine lawyer. And then later, she was handed off to Lisa Bloom, the, the daughter of Gloria Allred, who specializes in taking down bad-acting, high-profile male perpetrators. So the problem with the case was her friend... Um, Uh, Tiffany Doe, who was a witness to Donald Trump raping her, quit cooperating. Tiffany Doe was a woman who had been hired by Jeffrey Epstein to recruit underage girls for his pedophile party. She had a lot of liability herself. She remained friends with Jane Doe or Katie Johnson. I'm telling you behind-the-scenes info that I know, okay? Not, Not publicly known in many places. So when her friend who was going to be a witness to her in the lawsuit, quit cooperating. It was her against the world again. And she thought she could sue Donald Trump anonymously. And she did not want to do public interviews. And Lisa Bloom was trying to force a press conference down her throat a week before the election Mm -hmm. without really telling her she was going to do that. She was trying to make a victim do something that she did not want to do. A 36, 37-year-old victim with no money, Medical problems, psychological trauma, terrified of Donald Trump, she's going to throw her to the wolves. And so she called all the media to her offices, Lisa Bloom's offices, all the major networks, all the cable channels, all the major media, and her client refused to go out there. Refused. And said, you know what? I'm dropping the case now. Goodbye.
4: Yeah, because at this point, from what you just said, it becomes less about her being a victim and more about let's get Trump. Watch this.
2: No, it's more about 10,000 Trumpkins were going to give her death threats. She just did not want to deal with that. And Donald Trump, after you he raped her, if you believe her, and I do, because Lisa Bloom did, Tom Maher did, the lawyers believed found her extremely credible. They knew the back end of the story. Um, Donald Trump raped her and then threw a couple hundred dollars. she says, well, you weren't wearing a condom. What if I get pregnant? And then he threw several hundred dollars at her, you know, get an abortion. And then he said, if you tell anybody what just happened, um, I will murder you and your entire family. That was 48-year-old Donald Trump talking to his 13-year-old rape victim who he had tied up with pantyhose. He tied her wrist so tight that her wrist hurt more than whatever he was doing to her genitals at that time. And there was a 12-year-old girl named Maria who Donald Trump used to sexually molest as well. And investigators have found Maria. She's alive. But like Jane Doe or Katie Johnson, they do not want to come public. They will one day. Oh, I promise you, they will come one day. It'll be when Donald Trump's no longer president and maybe when Donald Trump's dead. And they're in their 50s. And they will come and tell you everything that Donald Trump did to them back in 1994. But right now, he's the president of the United States. He has proven that he'll do anything. And they're terrified of him. And they're terrified of Trump supporters. So you have to wait 20 years to get their story.
4: Well, why why wasn't this put out in the media a lot more than it was when okay let's look at dirty politics then you know trump was able to bring forth all of these women that were pointing their fingers at the clintons during the campaign why didn't they do that you know with these victims of trump
2: well Donald Trump's victims, by the way, Donald Trump used my book, The Clinton's War on Women, to beat Bill and Hillary Clinton. It's one of the few books he's ever read. He would keep my book on his desk as a reference, factually speaking. The women you're talking about that Trump used were women who had been public for 20 years. They're adult women in their 50s and 60s, maybe 70s. I don't know how one of the broader kids is, at least 60s. So their stories have been known for 20-plus years and ignored by the mainstream media or laughed at by the mainstream media in the case of uh, Katie Johnson and Jane Doe you know the media um, she was not doing interviews uh, I'm telling you she's scared of Trump and the Trumpkins so how can you get your she was she thought she was gonna be able to sue Donald Trump and tell everybody about that that was her that was her way of half-assed exposing Trump, suing him without doing a bunch of major media. She could have done 30, 40 major media interviews. She did not want to. She was terrified. She's a 36, 37-year-old woman with no money. You know, she uh, – remember, when you go up against a, um, a supposed billionaire, even though he's not, you know, you're going to be going up against people who can um, – Hire private investigators on you to lie about you to find out about all the dirt on you to tell the truth about you and all your dirt and to make up lies about you. They have a, a, a media PR campaign already to come assault you. She has nothing, but actually, you know, she she would have the Democratic Party supporting her, but she was just too scared to get up and do it. And the there were there were problems with her with the presentation of her case. Her handlers were kind of shady people who, I don't know what their motives were. Maybe they were trying to make money themselves. Maybe they were trying to expose Trump. They were kind of dicey, the, the, the men who brought her forward, who got her to the lawyers. Mm-hmm. And so the media was kind of balking at her handlers, and then they just didn't want to believe, you know, that a, a 40-year-old man could rape a 13-year-old girl. They don't, they don't know the psychopathy that runs at the high level of the American elites or the, the deviant elites, as, as Roger Stone likes to talk about. Roger Stone likes to pretend that him and Trump are not part of the deviant elites. They are the card-carrying, frontline members of the deviant elites, both of them. But yeah, so right before the election, the Daily Mail ran a hit piece on Katie Johnson. Okay, that's a perfect example of what she was afraid of. You had a reporter who believed everything she was saying, and he was told by management, you're going to make this piece a hit job. We're going to run a headline saying that she was lying and she made everything up. But you don't know the back story to that. The back story to that is that the Daily Mail was being sued by Trump over Melania being a prostitute, and that was part of the deal, is that you're going to run a hit piece on Katie Johnson or Jane Doe, literally the day before the election. And I remember I was in Austin, Texas. I was out there campaigning against Trump that day with my big sign, Trump's a child rapist, and somebody comes driving past me in a truck and says, She took it all back, she was lying, she made it up and that person was operating off of the Daily Mail piece that was nothing more than a than a lying hit job on on Jane Doe.
4: So where? So what's the future of this? You you really think that they're going to come out after, you know, after Trump's out of office? What would be the point at that point? I mean, other oh
2: oh oh, the point at that point? You're not going to be lied about on Fox News behalf of the country. You're not going to have you know, uh, forty million people hating on USC. What's half the country? Let's say half of Trump. You know, three hundred million people. So not quite 150 million or Trumpkins. Maybe there are 100 million Trumpkins out there. So you're not going to have 100 million Trumpkins hating on you in a general election in 2020? I mean, these people people who come forward who are whistleblowers, they are not like me. I have a a rhinoceros skin. I have a turtle shell. I don't care, okay? I'm used to the give and take. These people are easily intimidated. They can't handle somebody coming up to them in public saying, You're a liar. I'm going to kill you. You ought to have your head chopped off. You're lying about the president. I mean, do you really want to walk around your normal life, you know, out there on the street and have some nut job come screaming in your face out of the blue? That's what happens when you get into t- t- tiffs with the president. You go to the grocery store. Somebody says, I hate you. You're a liar. You're a slut. Really? Do you want to do that every single day for a whole year? For two years?
3: Is is this sort of the reason you and Stone um, had a falling out?
2: Well, yes. I mean, once I became convinced, and after Katie Johnson filed her first real lawsuit against Trump, and I found it credible, around the date of June 20th, 2016, she filed suit in the Southern District of New York against Trump, and I read the court filing, and I read the witness affirmations of her and Tiffany um, Doe, and they seemed credible, and the fact that I knew that Trump was a close personal friend of Jeffrey Epstein, no matter what he says, that's easily found, Um, yeah, so I turned on Trump right there, big time. I'm like, okay, I'm not for the Clinton, but you know what? I'm not going run for Trump either. I'm going to run for president myself, and that's what I did. <laughs> and I got 145 votes in the state of Texas, me and my handyman did. They're official votes, and they count forever.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a hard thing to overcome, the two-big-party system.
2: Yes sir. yes, sir. All right, so what else you want to talk about?
3: Well, when you get into uh, Clinton and, and that, what, what's kind of the biggest – surprise that you found when you were researching
2: the Clintons? Well, I started researching the Clintons starting in 2005 when I knew Hillary was going to run for president in 2008. And so I went to Amazon.com and I literally bought every single used book on the Clintons ever written, like every one that I could find. I've got hundreds of them. And I called them the Clinton Library. Get it? Library? (laughs) L-I-E, Brary.
3: Um,
2: So what really, my moment of revelation was in 2005 when I was reading a book written by the guy who owns the American Spectator. And he was talking about the CIA drug running in the 1980s, and he he was making it out to be that that George Bush didn't know about it, that, you know, there were some rogue CIA people running drugs. And based on everything else I'd read up to that point, I'm like, the light bulb went off, and I said it was not rogue. It was the Reagan administration and Bill Clinton intentionally running drugs. And Bush knew it, and Bill Clinton knew it. At that point, the light bulb went off. They are both... As evil as the deaths of Satan, both of them, Clintons and Bushes. And they murdered Barry Seal, at least George Bush and Oliver North did. Bill Clinton was happy when Seal got killed. That's the most critical thing to learn about the Bush and the Clintons is the murder of Barry Seal in 1986. That is the most important thing to learn. Because Barry Seal knew that both the Bush family and Bill Clinton were, in, were into the drug trade in the 1980s. And if he hadn't been murdered, you never would have had. President Bush elected in, in, in 1988. You never would have had Bill Clinton in 92, 96. You never would have had a Senator Hillary Clinton. You never would have had Hillary Clinton run for president in 2008. You never would have had her be the Democrat nominee in 2016 against um, Donald Trump. None of that ever would have occurred if Barry Seale had told what he knew about government drug running in the 1980s. And he was murdered on February 19, 1986. And the book to get on that is Daniel Hopsickers. It's called Barry and the Boys, the Mob, the CIA, and uh, something else. In America's Secret History. So that was the most amazing thing that I learned, the most secret thing, was that Bill Clinton was running drugs for me in Arkansas. And the Reagan administration... Um, Was running Iran Contra through Vice President Bush and Oliver North, and they were committing all kinds of crimes. Rampant drug smuggling at the time that Nancy Reagan was saying, just say no to drugs. The government, the Reagan administration was heavily, heavily into the cocaine trade. Oliver North was supervising it. George Bush was supervising it. Bill Clinton, a CIA governor of of Arkansas, a Democrat, was enabling it. That was the, the most important thing that I learned.
3: Wow so what's what what do you think the surprise um that people will get
2: when they read your book um, for well, yeah. I mean, there are two other major major things that the media has been covering up on the Clintons for decades. One of them is that Chelsea is not the daughter of Bill Clinton. she's the daughter of Webb Hubble.
4: yes, <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that.
2: And, you know, you can Google my, and I talked to Chelsea Clinton about that. You can Google Robert Morrow, Chelsea Clinton on YouTube. Go to it right now, folks. YouTube, Robert Morrow, Chelsea Clinton. And I'm sitting there asking, is it Chelsea, you know? Has your mother, Hillary, ever told you that you're the daughter of Webb Hubble and not Bill Clinton? That's what I call an interview right there.
4: Yeah. What did she say?
2: She says, "I'm proud of both of my parents." Okay, okay, she did not deny. It.
4: An answer. Yeah, that is. A yeah, good okay, point she did not deny. It. And
2: then the next day or the next week, Jerome Corsi finds Webb Hubble on the phone and asks him, "You know, are you the father of Chelsea Clinton?" He did not deny it. Okay, so this is this is an incredibly important fact about the Clintons. Is that they don't even have a child together? That Chelsea Clinton is not the daughter of Bill Clinton is incredibly important, and it's also incredibly discrediting to the Clintons, who would use Chelsea as as if they were a, a, a somewhat intact, normal family instead of just a burning, you know, burning dumpster of dysfunction, you know, a Jerry Springer-style show, the Clinton life, the Clinton lifestyle. Uh, So that's one big one. And the other big one is that Bill Clinton does have a son named Danny Williams, who's the son of a street hooker named Bobby N. Williams. He really is Bill Clinton's son. And Bill Clinton has never even shook the hands of his own son or done anything for him or gone to his birthday. And then his son has five kids. So Bill Clinton is not just a deadbeat dad. He's a deadbeat granddad. Again, that is extremely discrediting to Bill Clinton as a human being. This is a guy who has this fake, phony foundation, the Clinton Foundation, a money laundering, influence peddling, criminal organization where they get where, you know, people give them money for political favors down the line. Yet he thinks he's this this world humanitarian and he can't do a thing for his son. Not a thing at all. And, and, and this, is a, this is a guy who's done advertisements about deadbeat dads, who passed a law about deadbeat dads, and he's the king of deadbeat dads? And his son is a Negro? Strom well, Thurmond had to mix him.
3: But what about the um paternity test that excluded him from it? That's
2: Never happened. Fantasy. Fraud. Star Magazine. Owned by Bill Clinton's best friend, 1999. Okay.
4: Now, in all fairness, I have heard that allegedly Bill Clinton does send money on an annual basis to to Danny Williams.
2: No, have you ever talked to Danny Williams? Because I have. Do you ever talk to Danny Williams? No, I've, I've listened. No, to Well, here's the story. The story is before Bill Clinton was elected president, he would send his state troopers by every month and put seven hundred dollars in cash in the mailbox of Bobby Ann Williams. That's until he became president. Then the cash payment stopped. You can Google um, Larry Patterson, Danny Williams. I think you can get it on YouTube. And that's Chris Ruddy. Chris Ruddy interviewed Larry Patterson about that in the late 1990s, a former Arkansas State Trooper. And that proves that Bill Clinton thanks Danny's his son. But I'm not really going to count that as anything. Because if you haven't even shaken your hand, son, or told him you loved him, or seeing him in person. And all you're doing is you're sending some dough hoping that Bobby will keep quiet until the, the, the 1992 general election campaign is over and then the money stops. I don't really count that as doing anything. Hey, so Bill Clinton's still at zero. You there? Yeah. Yes. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> mulling it over. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you go to YouTube, you can find that. It says. Um, Danny Williams is a channel. It's D-A-N-N-E-Y Williams. Arkansas State Trooper confirms delivering Christmas presents to Danny Williams. Okay, so so what does it mean? It means Bill Clinton thinks Danny is his son. So that, that DNA test you talked about was a fake, a phony. It never happened. It was by Star Magazine that was bought the next month by Bill Clinton's best friend from Georgetown. In the 1960s, so Bill Clinton's best friend pretty much owned that magazine, pushing that lie. Got it? Got it. (laughs) Kind of like Donald Trump would use the National Enquirer for his dirty deeds. Bill Clinton used Star Magazine for his dirty deeds. They had a little fake DNA scam. Was this? We're going to go pretend to do a DNA test with Danny Williams. That way, we're going to shut him up. And then the Star is going to report it, and then the mainstream media will report what the Star did. So that's exactly what happened. And so you had Howard Kurtz of the Washington Post, who bought the lie hook, line, and sinker, and says, oh, no, there's going to do a They tell us. It's all discredited now. Garbage. And then 20 years later, you had Callum Borchers of the same Washington Post say, no matter what Matt Drudge says, Danny Williams is not Bill Clinton's son. Gar- garbage. He's his son. Bill Clinton was sending money to him, Kyle Borgers. The Washington Post, the fake news Washington Post, has never corrected the record on this. And they also say that a lone nut killed JFK on top of all that.
3: Wow. It gives us lots to think about. Um, Now, what's your website or contact information for listeners?
2: Oh, I would say... Just buy my book, The Clinton's War on Women, or buy Roger Stone's book, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ. I'm on Twitter. Just Google Robert Morrow, DC Politics 2016. Um, I'm on Facebook. Just search for Robert Morrow of Austin, Texas. You'll find me pretty quickly. Oh, yeah.
3: We will have your book on our site as well for people. So if you're listening, you can just click one click and purchase the
2: book. And by the way, you know Roger Stone hasn't given me a royalty check in, in years now. But that's okay. Just buy the book because <laughs> it, it'll, it'll get out important information.
3: Well, it's going to keep him out of jail. He needs to defense.
2: It doesn't matter. He's going to jail, and he deserves. He deserves to go to jail. And I will celebrate the day that the bars close on Roger Stone. But having said all that, Trump is very likely to pardon him in about at the end of next year. So there you go. Well.
3: Robert Morrill, thank you very much.
2: It was an honor to be on your your show, Al.
4: To find out more about our show,
2: guests, or to listen to
4: past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com.
1: Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me?
0: Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. Make the same no-brainer decision as over one million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts,